0: I love winning, man. I love winning. You hear what I'm saying? It's like better than losing.
1: And welcome to Sunday Coffee. Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield. And once again, we're going to go back to the phone, to the voice of the message boards. I would say the voice of the people, but you're the voice of the message boards. The Godfather, Stephen Agostinelli from SixPackSpeak.com. Charlie, well, yesterday... Uh, coming up with that fifty-one thirty-two win over Missouri. It's amazing how winning a game makes you feel a
0: lot better. It is nice to wake up on a Sunday with a little pep as I come up here. I'm used to seeing you a little sour on Sunday mornings, Bart. It's nice to to be here on a Sunday and to be happy. And even though it's cloudy outside, even though it's a little misty, it's still a beautiful morning here in Starkville.
1: Stephen Agostinelli. I won't say where you live. I won't say I don't wanna I don't wanna drive anyone to your front doorstep. But for for the for the voice of the message boards, how was last night to you?
2: I don't know if people want me to have that title, but uh it was good. Uh, this is I only seem to get called after we win. Why don't I get a call after we lose? But, but, we called you after fine. Georgia.
1: This is the first time we've called you after we've won.
2: That's true. Remember, after positive performances. I should have clarified myself.
1: Oh, no, we were, we were not calling you after last week. We, we, we decided <laughs> even though we are not regulated by the FCC, it was just probably something we didn't need to do.
2: Well, we had more victories for those two weeks that I did get called. Positive. You know, this is three out of the last four games that we've had positive momentum. And so we, we lost the two against Georgia and all this, but you felt a little bit okay wherever, where things are turning around. And after Auburn, it, you were worried again. Uh, but going into this game, everything clicked, defensively, offensively. Uh, there's a positive performance. And, you know, what I said every week prior was that we have hope. And we still have hope and promise going towards uh, next
0: football season. I tell you, it feels so much better, too, when you look at – I was really depressed last Sunday. After that Auburn game, I was afraid – in fact, Bart and I even talked about the this week – I thought we had hit a wall a little bit. I thought some of our guys maybe were a little bit done. I don't mean in terms of quitting, but just in terms of being spent emotionally, physically, it had been a long year. And I really thought it was important to get a win in the last two. And if you go back, after feeling so down last Sunday, to see this team bounce back the way they did yesterday, I get it. Missouri's not Alabama when it comes to defense or anything like that. But that's what it's supposed to look like yesterday, and it just makes you feel so much better. But that
1: ain't Vanderbilt. They're not Vanderbilt. They won five games. That—that's what I kept taking out of there yesterday. Is this is a team that won five games, ended its year at five hundred? Big okay. teams we lost to, right? And beat beat out, beat Arkansas, beat Kentucky. This is not a terrible football team. This isn't Vanderbilt, and that—that's the reason yesterday. Going in. And if you'd have told me two weeks ago, okay, look at the schedule, tell me who you're going to beat, I would have said, I got a good feeling about Missouri. But then after last week, the way you played against Auburn, the way the offense kind of returned to the inability to move the football, I was with you, Charlie. I didn't know exactly where the offense was, had it hit a wall. And that was one of the things you wanted to kind of see early in the game yesterday. And I thought coming out early, and I felt bad. I tell you what, when when Missouri you know got the football, got down the field with some help, scored a touchdown, and then they forced the punt to us. I had that same feeling again. I had that that deep. Oh oh, here we go, and then the fumble happens, and then everything changes. That to me was you know one of the turning points in the game, and I think we'll talk about turning points later, but. I was worried after a half of the first quarter yesterday because I thought that was pretty much an extension of the Auburn game. But then you got it turned around. I mean, I look back, at and you kind of wonder, and a, I hate to be this fan. I hate to be the irrational guy. The irrational fan in me says Missouri was gifted a touchdown yeah. simply because of targeting, because of a call on the field. By textbook definition, was that targeting on Errol Thompson? Yeah, probably so. And, you know, we want to say, we want to put the emotion in it of saying, here's a guy out there on senior day. This is his last time to ever suit up on the field. He's our emotional leader. I understand the officials don't walk out there with pen and pad and say, okay, that guy's a senior today. Hey, let's let him play a little bit looser. I understand all that. I mean, that's just the way it happened. But I think the game somehow, some way has gotta change a little bit. When when you're talking about at the line of scrimmage, you're not talking about a defenseless receiver, we gotta figure some things out and, and stop, you know, letting nerds make our laws and make you know, make our rules about how we determine, you know, what's targeting and what's not targeting and what's holding and what's not holding. It's almost like you got to use common sense. Somewhere common sense has got to come back into football officiating. Now, was it called on the field? No. But then all of a sudden you go back and you look at it. We're going to review it. We're going to overturn it. Last week they overturned it the other way, and that's what's fresh in people's minds is last week you had a receiver that got his face mask bent because he got popped in the head too hard. This week, you got a guy who's trying to make a form textbook tackle, and then he's out of there. And it's the same way for the Missouri guy as well. I mean, this is not just a Mississippi State problem. You watch a game every single week, every single game, there's something that's called differently. There is no consistency whatsoever. And if I'm sitting on my couch like Stephen Agostinelli, and I'm sitting there at 1 o'clock and I'm watching a football game, I want that game called the same exact way at 1 o'clock as the 7 o'clock game I watched later that night. I want everything to be the exactly the same because if it's not, then in the back of my mind, I'm thinking conspiracy theory in some way. And I'm a pretty rational person. I'm a pretty rational guy. But it's just not right. It's just not right the way we're doing it right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to start with a negative after a win. That's what I've become, and I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> what do you or what do? You, how do you fix this? I mean, do you change the penalty where it's just 15 yards. I saw people mentioning this yesterday, and I really think that's the way you approach it. No, uh, uh, Jeffrey Simmons tweeted this yesterday. Nobody's trying to out there to take someone's. And literally go helmet to helmet contact and get kicked out of the game. And a lot of the times, you know, I think the player is projecting themselves to hit at a different spot, and then the guy lowers his head, and you can't adjust mid mid flight. So really, I think the only way to approach this is not to you know make it a fifteen yard penalty. I get it, but do not kick people out of the game. I just I don't know unless they unless they go to like they did past interference where you had uh, two varying degrees of penalties. You know, a 5 and a 15, if it, one looks not malicious, and then one does. But to me, I think he just change it to a 15-yard penalty, and you're not kicked out. I think that's the only way you can approach it.
1: Yeah, I, I can't blame a guy for arm tackling after that happens. I can't blame our defense, the rest of that drive, for not making a tackle.
0: I well, mean, and, and look, Missouri was smart, because as soon as Errol Thompson went out of the game, two of the next three calls were handoff straight up the middle, and we had a lot of defenders diving for ankles. But I go back to how do you fix it. Number one, I think you have to look at the defenseless nature of the person carrying the football. Uh, I think that's got to come back in the rule. If you've got a free safety looking to square up a receiver who is prone and extended, do what you got to do. I understand that. But for all these others, there's really no reason that you can't treat it the same way you do a personal foul. You get one and the next one you're gone. But the idea that you – look – These guys work their tails off year-round. If people understood how much work college football players put in that you don't see, you know, in March, in April, in May, all those times when you aren't looking, to take away 10% of their season because of something that happens in live action, this is what happens when a bunch of educated idiots from Princeton who wear bow ties and have never played football – and a bunch of lawyers get involved, and they start making up rules on a game they didn't play.
1: The game turned win. I mean, I, I start talking about, you know, I felt I felt better when we recovered the fumble. Is that when a game turned? For me, the game turned the entire second quarter. I mean, we scored on five consecutive possessions. We had four consecutive possessions where we scored – I thought forcing the three, you know, forcing the the punt for Missouri, and coming back down and scoring that second touchdown to go ahead fourteen to seven, to me that was the big turning point in the game, and it occurred in the first quarter, late in the first quarter to go ahead fourteen to seven. To me, that was the that was one of the big turning points. Stephen, was there a time that that you said, okay, this thing's going in the right direction?
2: You, you mentioned the, the the fumble punt, but like you said, I think the fact that we came back and scored on the on the possession following, uh, what was the biggest thing is that you had some breathing room, and we answered actually with an offensive drive and an t- offensive touchdown, not one that was caused by an error by Missouri. Uh, that, that showed we could move the ball on them. Because that first drive was horrendous. You know, where we punted and then they, they fumbled. I was, like you said, when we started the show, you were thinking this is going to be a repeat of Auburn. But the fact we came back and took the lead with an offensive possession that showed promise, and we moved the ball down the field, I think that was the point where you kind of felt like, well, right, at the very least, this is going to be a shootout, and we might be able to keep up with them. But then the defense did what they normally did, and they they performed well enough where we could we could win. So from that point on, you know, when you go into halftime, up twenty seven or the twenty seven to ten
0: at halftime, you know, at that point we we had the game at. I think, in in hand. I'll tell you, the time that I thought changed the game, obviously the fumble punt was huge. But let's go back to in the final minutes of the first half. They've got it third and seven at our 37-yard line, try to throw the football, and Emmanuel Forbes gets the interception. Okay, so they're driving down right before the half to try to make this a one-score game.
1: And Basilak had only thrown three interceptions all year. So this is totally – you know, uncharacteristic of him throwing a
0: pick. And so Forbes makes a nice play, then comes back. So we get the ball back with 46 seconds at our own 32. And I'm thinking we're up two touchdowns. Let's don't put it in the hands of a freshman quarterback and do something stupid here. But we go complete to Austin Williams for 19. And then the big play for me, complete to Malik Heath to get it down to their 25-yard line. That gives us the chance. and. Boy, we, we don't talk about that much, but you just feel like Ruiz is automatic when he gets that look. Which Ruiz, and we might come to this of what seniors are coming back, but if he can come back next season, what a, what a
2: big benefit for the football team because, he, he like you said, he is he's pretty much automatic. You know, I think 50 yards and in, I feel comfortable with him.
1: Yeah, and he's almost one of those underutilized guys because, you know, we went through that funk in there with our offense and, you know, Ruiz against Alabama came out to, to have the opening kickoff and that was it. I mean, he could have gone to the showers – as soon as he kicked the opening kickoff, man, he, he's just been so solid for us. But, to, you know, to go ahead 27-10 at the half and then come out in the second half, you know, looking at the drives, you know, looking at the drive chart for State in the first half, you know, you, you had to punt. You went five plays. You picked up a first down and then had to punt. Didn't have the ball long at all. You recovered the fumble for the touchdown, okay? I go back to the point of Missouri being forced to punt that next drive, and then us putting together a six-play, 62-yard drive. That's when Will Rogers hit Wally in the back of the end zone. He was kind of wide open. The defender slipped down at the, at the goal line. And then you go ahead, you know, 14-7 to seven at that point. Then Missouri trying to come right back, you know, going for it on fourth down, we were able to, to
0: get there, break
1: up the pass. Was it, that
0: Weed who did that?
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, he had
0: a good game He really did. I
1: and then you kick the field goal right after that. So, you know, boom, boom, boom. It's 17-7, and it just really set the tone. But you went touchdown, touchdown. Of course, one of the that first touchdown, of course, the fumble. I don't really count that as a drive, okay? Touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, field goal, touchdowns. You scored essentially six consecutive possessions before that fumble early in the third quarter. I'm sitting there at the end of the second quarter or the start of the third quarter and saying, Hey, this this is what it's supposed to feel like. This is what the air raid's supposed to be like. It kinda of felt like it was LSU again. And so That, to me, was was such a big part of the game was was us putting together those five consecutive scoring drives. Six play, seven play, seven play, seven play,
0: eight play drive. And, you know, we didn't have – we had a lot of penalties that helped us on that first drive of the third quarter coming out of the dressing room. But getting a touchdown, so you get the three points right before the half and then you get the ball back and you take advantage, that was the knockout punch I felt like.
2: You know, one thing we haven't talked about was the presence of a running game for Mississippi State. Uh, do you think, you know, in y'all's opinion, was, was that something that was, you know, on purpose, of what Missouri gave us, or like it was impressive? But I think it made the offense obviously more pro- productive. If we had an opportunity to move the ball, and not just not just do these five, six-yard underneath passes. I think it opened up some passing lanes because we were successful running the football. I thought and Smart had the best game of
0: the season yesterday. You know, I would have told you that I thought that it was just the way that it worked out, that Will Rogers was checking into that, because, you know, obviously he has the power to do that. But a lot of times, as I appreciate it, we've got a pass play called, and if we're going to run it, he's got to check into it. And I would have said that's what was going on except for this fact. Some of those run plays, you know, where we would fake basically the forward toss and then gave it back on the draw, the kind of counter look going the other way. That, that's a new play. We haven't seen that this year. And that tells me somebody was in the lab working on that. And when they went one nose guard and they put those in so wide, they just created that lane and we took advantage of it.
1: And I, and I look back at that. You know, Mike Leach was, was asked about that the post game yesterday. And he says, you know, it may look new, but that's an old play. And I remember seeing that sometimes, you know, I think Smithful used to run that play some in high school. Stringer, I think, used to run run that play some in high school. When I start talk, thinking about 1A days, you know, did St. Aloysius run that play, Stephen Agostinelli?
2: Whatever we did was successful, but uh, no, we, we never ran that play. We were pretty much power on it. That was all formation.
1: Yeah, but that fake toss and then come back with the underneath, and it was almost like a counter. I mean, that's, that's, it's, it's, it's almost like a counter, and it creates that running lane. 151 yards rushing yesterday. You bring up that point, Stephen, about running the football. First time since 2017 that Mike Leach has had a, te- had a team run for over 150 yards in a game. And I thought that, I mean, I thought two things. One is running the football there. And I think Will Rogers early on being able to scramble and pick up, you know, 15, 16 yards to kind of open things up. That really. I thought, kept the Missouri down tackles and nose guards and everybody honest the rest of the way.
0: You know, look at this. Look at the average per rush yesterday. Marks, 5.8. Dylan Johnson, 5.9. Witherspoon, 8.7. I mean, we we not only were running it, we were running it successfully repeatedly. And I thought we did a good job of running the ball on first down too, Stephen. You know, we – it's one thing to run it. It's another to keep a defense off balance when you call those plays. 33 first down plays, 15 of them were runs. I, I don't know that we'll ever see that again with Mike Leach here.
2: The other thing I, I thought was impressive, or something that reminded me of Dan Mullins first, I don't know if you remember Dixon. He would take that little jab step and kind of turn to the right and then counter and come back. That was the same play that I thought we kind of ran yesterday that we had just mentioned a minute or two ago. It was just, you know – Having a run game in Mississippi State's identity for the past, for its entire existence of football, has been running. And, you know, fans, I think, were just – we knew what we were getting with Mike Leach. We knew we weren't going to run the ball, but to actually see it play out. It was a tough pill to swallow because when you needed – when it was third and two and you had Nick Fitzgerald as your quarterback, you 99% of the time were Dak Prescott. You were getting a first down. Or when you get inside the 10-yard line and passing lanes, get jammed. You know, we, you need to be able to run the football. And to have that yesterday just kind of gave you a breath of fresh air, and it brought you back to old times, old times being the past 100 years of Mississippi State football. We're, we're running with our existence, and you had a just kind of made you feel good as a fan.
0: Well, and how about this? You know, we were in the red zone yesterday, five of six, and four touchdowns out of those five. And that was the thing. I really – look, we had some games where we didn't get to the red zone. <laughs> the thing about a lot of times though when we started getting there you didn't feel like we had a good way to push it in yesterday we get a rushing touchdown we get three passing touchdowns in the red zone I thought we performed a lot better near the goal line
1: yeah Missouri worst team in the league in red zone defense and so you were able to take advantage of that and th- that's the thing is you were able to convert on opportunities that was that was the big part as far as Big performers. I mean, we start thinking about guys that played well yesterday. You mentioned Marks, and you mentioned Weatherspoon. You mentioned the running back core. Will Rogers, of course, had the passing, you know, 295 yards yesterday. If you were to look back, and you hate to play favorites, who was the big performer for you, Stephen, looking back at this game?
2: Jaden Wally. And the guy's been consistent. That, what was his breakout game? Was It, it was Georgia, I think, where he kind of just took over. And he's been consistent since then. 100 plus 100 yards receiving, going back to hope. It gives you hope for next year. This guy has the opportunity to be the best receiver in Mississippi State of history it's with this offense. I mean, record books wise, he could easily get it. Uh, but just the way he's performed, I just, he's outstanding. He's, he's literally, I think he's our best player. Yep. So I want to be honest.
1: Four games over 100 yards receiving. And yesterday, five catches for 129 yards. 26 yards per catch for Jaden Wally.
0: You know, I look back at the numbers yesterday, and you wouldn't say this was Will Rogers' best performance, but I kind of equated it to in baseball, sometimes you'd rather a guy hit 280 with 40 home runs than 300 with 10. You know, you give up a little bit off your batting average to hit for a little more power. I thought yesterday we gave up a little bit on our pass completion rating and threw for more power, so to speak. Bart, I think you had calculated, what were we, like 14 yards of completion yesterday?
1: Yeah, 14 and a half of completion yesterday. And a month ago, it was six.
0: Yeah, and so I thought we did a better job of pushing it downfield. So, uh, look, still some decisions, still some throws you want to take back. But I thought it was we'd opened it up a little bit. I think, though, the guy that for me is Watson, Uh, Nathaniel Watson, ends up with 13 tackles yesterday. When Errol Thompson went out of that ball game, boy, I was worried where you're going to find the good play. And I thought Tyrus Wheat stepped it up. Um, and I thought uh, Nathaniel Watson gave you some really good play in the middle. And then I, I guess i got to go back because I'm, I'm getting carried away, Bart. This will not show up in the stats. He had three tackles, and you say big deal. But you remember on the very first play of the game, Missouri tries to run get that outside run to the right with Roundtree. We do a good job cutting it off, and then – he tries to reverse field and come back the other way, and Kobe Jones wasn't trying to be a hero. He was obeying his responsibilities. He, the backside defensive end, held his ground, and when he did, he drops that play for a big loss. I thought Kobe actually played a really good game, even though when you look at the stats, it doesn't jump off the page at you.
1: Well, that gum. I was going to say Nathaniel Watson, Buki. I was going to say I was going to say Watson was a guy. And I had narrowed it down to a play. I mean, I had gone to so much research to narrow it down to a play,
0: what I thought was the play of the game. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Research is not authorized here on Sunday Morning Coffee, but go ahead.
1: Okay. Really, it's just kind of in the back of my mind.
0: Okay. And here's the reason
1: I, I say Watson, because yesterday, round tree early, you know, that's the thing. And we talked about this last night on the post-game show I, I love old coaches. I love old coaches, and the reason I love old coaches, you know, like your Joe Gantz and your Bubba Davises, and your you know, these guys that you know, just made their hay in high school football, who were so good in Mississippi high school football, is the guys that used to run it. You know, if I found a, if I found a weakness, I am going to attack that weakness, and you know, I'm going to run it off right tackle. And I'm going to run it till you stop it, and I'm going to run it again just to make sure it wasn't a fluke. And that's what Missouri was doing early. They were taking tree and going right side, man. They they liked that right Robert. They liked the rights out of that offensive line, and they were going right. And then in the second quarter, they had run that play like two or three times in a row. And Nathaniel Watson slipped through and came through and just blew that play up. And it was almost like, all right, that's that's the one that kind of stops the run of of tree on that exact play right there, because they felt like they could get anything they wanted on that one play, and he slipped through and hit Roundtree at the line of scrimmage and set up a second down and 10, and I think, to be honest with you, that may have been the drive they end up having to turn it over on downs. I think that was their third offensive drive. To me, that was one of the big plays in the game.
2: Yeah, I, I actually, in a group text, we were talking about this, and they were running that what I don't know what type of run it was, but they were stealing the edge, and Roundtree was just killing a play, run after run. And I, I, it was when they were down closer to our goal line. I think when Watson came through and busted it up and kind of stopped it for one play. I, it was around the twenty. I want to say. Yep. And like you said, once we made that stop, it kind of, kind of popped the balloon for them, and that they didn't do anything offensively until you know the fourth quarter, really. When, when, when the game was really in hand from that point on.
0: If you go back and you look at it, you look at the total points on the board, you say 32, our defense gave up a lot. But I think you make a great point there, Stephen. A lot of those points were garbage time. I thought I thought Zach Arnett did a nice job yesterday.
2: Well, it's what played out this whole season. Zach Arnett has done a nice job. And luckily we assigned him to an extension. So, so thanks to whoever did that. for He can come back for at least a few more years.
1: But but I think, yeah, absolutely the the defense was such a big key. But I think the offense can continuing to score because here's what I thought at halftime. Even we even though we're ahead twenty seven to ten, I felt like the first possession of the second half was big because of the way that we've worn down. Because of the, the lack of players you getting to the fourth quarter. Charlie we talked about this in the pregame yesterday but yesterday about we need to have a lead going to the fourth quarter. And then if it's a shootout we just got to score. I thought that game had potential. Just knowing Basilac and the Roundtree and what Missouri has done, you know what they did against Arkansas, that was a shootout in the second half. I didn't want our second half to become that, but it had the makings to do that. But our ability to score and keep expanding the lead was such a big key, and I think it, it allowed your defense to kind of settle back a little bit. Plus, it also forced Missouri – to probably try to do a little too much and they got some garbage points late like you said but I think our offense's ability to keep expanding the lead kept that thing from being a shootout because when we pushed it out to 34 to 10 I'm like okay hey now now this is a different ball game when you've got a when you've got a 24 point lead early in the third quarter it's a lot different than having a two score game when they can come back and try to cut it in half
0: yeah and Here's the other good news from yesterday. If you want more reason to feel good, we didn't play perfectly. Um, Well, we left some throws out there. We left some catches inside the 10-yard line out there. We made mistakes, but we overcame them. Now, part of the way you did that, too, for the first time in quite a while, your defense got the ball back for you. You forced, I think, three three and outs, but you also had three interceptions and a fumble recovery. That's one thing our defense had not been doing they had not been getting us the football on the plus side of the field and yesterday we had opportunities for some shorter field you know possessions those things make a difference but if you go back you score 51 points and it was far from perfect that actually makes me more excited about where we're going
1: yeah here's the here's what I take away from yesterday and here's what I take away from the season okay so during the game you know, I had a chance to to kind of walk around and, you know, you try not to bother people because, you know, sometimes people are, are sensitive, of course, in these times. But yesterday in the third quarter, I walked up to the 300 deck of the west side, just above the press box. And there's some chair back seats up there in the lower, you know, those middle five sections of the, of the 300 level. To me, those are the best seats in the entire state or some of the best seats in the entire sa- stadium. Sitting in the chair back seats now, eleven o'clock in the morning when that sun's bearing down on you. I mean, no it's, thanks. Yeah, it's pretty tough. But man, I tell you what, sitting on the the fifth row, watching that kind of unfold below you because you're just above the press box, and there's there's nobody there, and of course for obvious reasons. And then you begin to ask yourself the question from a fan standpoint: Where are fans mentally? You know, where are where where is the fan mentally right now as far as coming back? Because there's nobody there. People have kind of gotten used to sitting at home and watching a game on TV. To me, you know, it's just crazy to sit there and watch a football game where there's nobody there, and you can actually hear the sidelines and people yelling. Stephen, based upon what, what you saw here at the end of the year, I mean, is it, and, and hey, a lot of it goes back to tailgating of uh, the experience of a game day. To me, that's the difference in watching it at home and coming to, to tailgate and having a day and it's an event. But but what you saw at the end of the year, do you think that's enough for somebody to say, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely coming back?
2: Yeah. Like well, what we've said ever since the Georgia game is that there's been hope since then to build upon. And you, you know, state fans don't need a lot to get excited, you know, and. That Georgia game gave you hope. The Ole Miss game, even though we lost, gave you hope. In Auburn, like I said earlier in the show, it took you back. It's like I don't know if we're going to turn this around, but last—I mean, yesterday was the best offensive performance, the most turnovers I think we forced in a game defensively, and to get you excited for next season and hopefully, hopefully, you know, we do have a bowl game and we close out that with a win. How can you not be excited for next season? You now, you, it was a weird 2020. It's an opportunity for our for Mike Leach to. When you look at his stats, as far as where he was at previous stops, he struggled his first year at the at the schools with the second year, and then obviously I think they said the third year is where he really steps up. So it gives you hope for next season. And as a fan, that's something you want to watch. There's nothing like being at the game. So I mean, I have watched most of our games on TV this year, due to due to the situation that we're in. But being at the game just it makes a big difference. So. If I was a fan, this gives you hope for next season and buying tickets and momentum with the program is now – what a difference a win makes is the point I'm trying, I am think I'm really trying to make here is that You know, we lose yesterday. It's hard to get excited, but we won. So uh, I, I think our fans now have something to build upon.
0: And for me, I think it's not just that we won, but it's the way we won. We saw a freshman quarterback continue to develop. He made some big throws when he needed to. Those two completions right before the end of the first half, that was fun. We got the ball with 42 seconds, and we picked up about 50 yards, and we got points on the board. That was taking advantage of an opportunity. We saw a freshman receiver in Jaden Wally continue to make big plays. And we. the other thing about it is it goes over and over. You look at the defense. There are guys, and I do a reasonably good job of keeping up with this program, There were guys playing who I've never heard of when this season started. And we go out there, and we're making plays. We're getting things done, and guys are continuing to develop. I said coming in that this season, everybody had to adjust their expectations a little bit. LSU is probably what got us in a bad spot, right? We brought the bandwagon out. Where's that thing now, Bart?
1: It's Uh, somewhere locked up. (laughs) I mean, is somebody going to go up to the the storage unit and pull it back out out this week? Um,
0: But, you know, I think, unfortunately, after LSU, I reset expectations and shouldn't have. But if you come back and you look at it from where we were, if you'd have told me we were going to be playing where you've got a true freshman quarterback, your best player is a true freshman receiver, look, We've come a long way, so at the very least, we can go into the offseason knowing we've had improvement, knowing we've gotten better, and knowing we've laid a foundation. And the good thing is you get to go into that offseason with some positive reinforcement by seeing what happens if you play well. Guys, hey, we enjoyed it.
1: Hey, thanks for, for joining us this morning, Mr. Augustinelli. I know you're, you're cooking up some pancakes and bacon, and I appreciate you stepping away from the kitchen to do that.
2: Always a pleasure. It's hard to get me away from the kitchen. So, yeah, you should be feel lucky. All
1: right, guys, enjoyed it as always. For Charlie Winfield, for Stephen Augustinelli of the SixPackSpeak.com. I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us on Sunday Coffee. We will not have an out of left field show this week due to it being a Thursday and being Christmas uh, Eve. And so we'll be back the following week on uh, out of left field and hopefully have a uh, kind of a bowl show. As far as Mississippi State going to a bowl, we'll, leave, we'll probably learn a lot today. And I would say 50-50. I have no idea what to, what to think about State playing another game this year. And so, anyway, appreciate you guys listening to us. Thanks to our sponsors on our regular show, out of left field, Farm Bureau, go with the home team, uh, Country Pleasing Sausage, and Cannon Ford of Startwell. Appreciate you guys. Thanks.